Yeah, Boxeo is back on In This Corner. It's the podcast that will increase your libido and jack you up with another injection of that performance-enhancing audio. It's the Brian Campbell coming at you with a lotus loaded edition of the Sweet Science Podcast, chock full of big-name guests and a detailed breakdown of Saturday's red-hot Showtime card from Brooklyn, headlined by Adrian Broner and Mikey Garcia. Talk about a can't-miss main event. We'll also talk to MMA legend and UFC Hall of Famer Pat Militich today, who will be on the Showtime pay-per-view broadcast team for that August 26th Floyd Mayweather contest. Conor McGregor, super fright from Las Vegas. Look, we want to know what Conor might be able to do inside a boxing ring from an MMA standpoint to provide Floyd with a look that maybe he hasn't yet seen. Pat Militich, the perfect guy to break that down. Let's not bury the lead, though. After that, we've got the main event of today's show, our chat with former welterweight champion, Vicious Victor Ortiz, our guy, V.O., Face Lube, our man who returned Sunday from a 15-month layoff coming out the, off that Andre Berto rematch. He'll battle Saul Corral in Bakersfield, California. Before I tag in Big Red to get this party started, I wanted to take a minute to thank all the listeners who continue to support this podcast. We're not asking for your money on ITC, but we are asking for two things. Your time to ingest this life-altering audio and your support in spreading this podcast's name across social media. What's the best thing you can do to support in this corner? You might ask that question, but it's very simple. Head on over to Apple Podcasts, subscribe, rate, review. Many of you have taken the time, and we greatly appreciate that. If you're on the fence right now, you haven't let your voice be heard, take the time to do so we want this pod to be a massive success and like rob base once said yes it does take two to make a thing go right so that's where you come in only takes a minute to keep that juice flowing but now it's that time let me introduce you to the one man who still has who still uses vo's face lube in the lotion products on multiple parts of his body on a daily basis the big ginger of the itc author writer editor rafe Bartholomew and Big Red, you and I broed out this weekend like a prime Lomachenko and Usyk, right? Fishing on the lake, firing up the grill. It was like a bro-back mountain in upstate New York. I felt like a Vinnie Ortiz, Ricky Lopez vibe coming out of that. Can you smell what the B-Cam is cooking right now? Uh, Brian, there's so much to respond to right now. Yes, that was quite a, a day at the lake, uh, you know, catching fish, getting a little salmonella on the hands, wiping it on the face with a little face lube on top. Uh, it was it, it was a magical, magical day in uh, in upstate New York. So uh, hopefully, uh, you know, next time we have we're going to have to get our Ukrainian bros, Vasily and, uh, and Oleksandr up there, uh, you know, get get Agus Klimas on the phone and tell him uh, we got a place for them to hang out, Max and relaxing. This could be the new the new training camp, right? This could be the new cat skills, if you will, in, right. in New York. Right. I mean, we, we could be, be we could be the bros behind the scenes of that. Rafe, uh, you fired up that box. sales back this week. How are you feeling? We, we had a we had a, a few weeks of, of hit or miss fights, but this is a big one in my eyes. At least you feel this. Yeah, for sure. No, I, I, I'm very excited about this fight. I mean, I remember what I, I stopped by uh, Las Vegas a couple weeks ago to just to catch one day of uh, NBA Summer League and was looking at the, uh, you know, the upcoming uh, odds and stuff and looking at the card. And, and and it was Garcia Broner was the one was like, yeah, that's the one. That's the one I want. Um, I, 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 I'm because I'm curious about this fight. I mean, I, I just I want to see. I want to see if, if Broner, you know, can show up with the good version of himself and and either 
either make a great fight or or possibly win. I mean, I I, I it's 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 possible. It's, it's possible. It's, it's and I'll tell you what, July we don't normally get big July fights on the boxing calendar, so I'm all for this. It's well, a nice break from the Maymac momentum, good or bad, right? There's a lot of Maymac momentum going around right now. This is a nice break in the middle of that. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, a pop for that. But speaking of Mayweather McGregor, like we teased at the top of the show, we do have UFC Hall of Famer Pat Militich will be on that Showtime broadcast. Very unique and interesting perspective on Connor's chances in this fight and how this fight will break down. Let's throw it over to Pat right now. Enjoy. Stepping into this corner, MMA legend, UFC Hall of Famer, Pat Militich. You know him from his coaching days, his fighting days, his broadcasting days. He'll be a part of that Showtime broadcast when Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor do business August 26th, of course, in Las Vegas. Pat, great to talk to you for, from a couple different angles. But I want to ask you first, MMA pioneer is a tag that, that applies to you. You've been around from the very early bare-knuckle days through the carnival pride days of making some crazy fights there. You've seen it all. When you hear Mayweather McGregor is going to be a real thing inside of a boxing ring, how did you react? I thought it was incredible that McGregor pulled it off. I mean, it's a huge negotiation to, to get that. Both guys obviously have done a lot of work over the years to get to the point to even be able to consider it. So I, I thought it was incredible that they actually put it together. Before we get into sort of the breakdown of it, how do you react to, let's say, the boxing side of it saying, we don't need this fight. We don't need this fight for our image. This is a joke. This is a carnival. Is that overblown in your eyes? Uh, no. I, I mean, you know, if you really think about it, let's be honest, uh, boxing is still doing bigger pay-per-views than, than MMA for the most part. I mean, they're, they're, they've remained strong and uh, will continue to do so. I mean, there's a lot of people that love boxing, and I love boxing. I did, did a lot of boxing uh, growing up, so I'm certainly a huge fan of, of boxing and, and all combat sports, and I think that more fans need to take that, that viewpoint of, of not just looking at, at things like, you know, kickboxing, Muay Thai, wrestling, judo, uh, boxing, you know, just the independent combative arts that have, that have been designed over the years of, of people just finding ways to do battle with each other, but more about just think about it as combat sports and, and, and be a fan of it. Pat, I wanted to ask uh, if you think that both, I guess, boxing and, and the UFC in this case, are they in some ways uh, cannibalizing the, the rest of what's going on in, in their sports uh, this year by sort of going all in on, on Mayweather McGregor? I mean, you see, you know, the, the Canelo Triple G fight that's coming up in September after, you know, a few weeks after uh, Floyd and Conor fight. That that has lost a lot of buzz. Uh, UFC has, you know, a, a big card coming up this weekend that, that also seems sort of fallen off a little bit in uh, in terms of the hype. Uh, is it in some ways are they are both sports uh, hurting their own hurting themselves a little bit while making a ton of money? I'm sure that there'll be a little bit of an impact for a while there in terms of what you're saying. But I mean, you know, if you look back of the great middleweights with Hermes Hagler, Leonard, you know, Iran Barkley, John the Beast Mugabe, when those guys were in every other boxing event uh, was was non-existent. Also, so you know, in my mind. You know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a huge event. It's the biggest combat sports event ever in, in the history of combat sports. And, and it's being treated as such, and I think rightfully so. So it'll, it'll have an impact for a little while, but um, who's not going who, to watch Triple G and Canelo? Seriously. I, agree. I know I am. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. I mean, who's not going to watch Jones-Cormier at the same time? The rematch is another good point. Right. Pat, when you hear outright, 
people saying, okay, this will be fun. We love trash talk. We love, you know, the carnival, the circus. We'll buy our tickets, but let's be realistic. Connor has no chance, 40 years old or not, against a boxer who built a legacy on not getting hit. Is that accurate in your eyes from this point of view? Or, or do you lean back on the, look, guys, it's a fight, right? It's a fight. Yeah, I mean, I, I've seen so many crazy things happen during my career of coaching and fighting and, and commentary. I've seen huge upsets, you know, on a regular basis. So uh, anything can happen. He's, you know, the, the common theme that everybody's talking about, he's 12 years younger, he's, he's bigger, he's stronger, he's a lefty, he's all those things. Uh, but he's also got a good chin. He's also got the ability to create chaos, to bring, bring elements of fight that, that Mayweather hasn't had to deal with in terms of, of you know, just overall strength. Um, MMA fighters are going to be generally um, stronger physically. Um, I know that boxing fans would probably get mad about that, but, you know, I sparred with Michael Nunn and, and other guys and boxers throwing around weights and kettlebells and all those sorts of things, um, doing pull-ups and box jumps and stuff. They're generally just not capable to hang with MMA guys. So, so he's dealing with a, a world-class athlete who is going to be stronger physically and, and has a good chin, and he's got a bomb for a left hand. So Mayweather not being able to knock people out for a decade legitimately, um, you know, mostly because he wanted to probably keep his brain and, and get paid, um, but, but still has not scored any real knockouts in my mind, leaves McGregor hanging around for 12 rounds with, with a monster left hand that could land. An interesting way to look at it. Now, you've built a, re a legacy as much as a coach as you have as a, as a fighter and analyst. So let's say you were tasked in this 12-round boxing match to pay, prepare a plan for McGregor that might work against this version of Mayweather, 40 years old, not big power per se like you mentioned there. How would you go about giving Conor his best chance to win? You know, I mean, all, from all the different tactical uh, technique things, you know, just to, just to make it very simple, I would train him to cheat the entire fight within the rules. Yes. To make it as rough and as close to a street fight as possible. And also to turn it into a, an anaerobic fight and not an aerobic fight. Um, uh, that's the only way Mayweather's going to get tired if he, if he goes anaerobic, and that's, that's what I'd be aiming for. Interesting. Um, do, you, do you think that... Uh... Connor has, you know, in in has sort of made a good decision in in keeping pretty much his, his the team he's always worked with uh, for training, getting ready for this fight. I mean, he's bringing in, you know, pro boxers. He's got Paulie Malinaji helping him spar, but he, you know, he didn't go out and and hire full time uh, at least for for this camp. You know, some you know a Freddie Roach or a Virgil Hunter or some sort of big name boxing trainer. Um, does you know does he need that for this fight or or, or is he just better off going you know with, uh, you know the the guys he's comfortable with. I think he's, I think he's got a good boxing coach, you know, currently that he's had for his MMA career, to be right. honest with you. I think the guy has done a great job with him and what it comes down to, to be able to get up to speed. Um, and he's boxed, you know, he's, he's sparred with a lot of boxers during his MMA career. So that's nothing new, but bringing in really high level pro boxers to spar with is definitely the key. I mean, mm -hmm. steel sharpens steel. And that's, that's the way you get it done. As long as you've got a good coach and good training partners, you know, that's, that's really the elements that you need. Pat, you look at the, the fighting stances. So the thing that Mayweather's done over the second half of his career is pretty much shut down anyone 
who brings a, a, an orthodox fighting stance to him. You know, he can lower that strike zone. He can take our two to three rounds, take a snapshot in his mind, figure it out. If you're looking for one guy that had more success than others, I think you do point to Marcos Maidana in 2014, specifically that first fight. Because, look, he's throwing punches from wacky, wild angles that you don't see in boxing. Connor's mentioned right. most guys only know one stance against Floyd. I've got a, you know, a, a Muay Thai stance. I've got a, a judo stance. i got a Greco-Roman stance. How legitimate is that thought process in bringing different footwork and angles to a boxing match? Could it actually work? Well, I mean, a, a lot of those stances that you mentioned are detrimental for boxing. So um, not necessarily are you going to want to use all, all the stances that you that you mentioned, but at, at different times of the fight, up against the ropes, things like that, those stances are going to come into play for leverage, for strength, for off-balancing Floyd, um, you know, get him, get him stumbling a little bit, throw bombs at him at that point, that type of stuff. Um, so, so they're going to come into play at times, but, uh, but a boxing stance is a boxing stance for a reason, and it works in a boxing match, right? Not a bad point. Not a bad point at all. One thing I wanted to ask you was the conditioning difference here. Now, five five round fights in UFC. Connor had been sort of picked apart at times for maybe a guy that that didn't have great endurance to go the distance. You know, you can argue that in the Nate Diaz rematch, maybe he turned that back in some people's eyes. This is twelve three minute rounds. How much of a difference between the two of that could that actually play a part in this fight in your eyes? Um, I, to be honest with you, an extra two minutes in a five minute round. Um, is is much more difficult than a three minute round because you get a minute rest in between each one, so you got to remember that. So, um, depending on the pace, you know, Floyd doesn't necessarily keep a a really big pace. So, you know, and and you know, all the different weapons that are involved in MMA, the wrestling that that you know, you go from the wrestling aspect to the striking aspect, back and forth. Um, as, as I mentioned before, with the aerobic and anaerobic, it's much more taxing on the body when you do that sort of stuff but but the, when you go strictly aerobic in boxing if you're if you're not capable to do that yeah you're going to fall apart in a boxing match pretty quick interesting do you see any um issues or or impact of of the glove size change you know mcgregor is known as being a, a really good boxer for mma he's known as having one punch knockout power at least let fight altering power if you will with one punch going up to the 10 ounce level here and that that seemed to be part of a smart negotiation on Floyd part let's do this fight at 154 we can go up from 8 ounce to 10 ounce is, is power power in the end Pat I mean you've, you've sparred with all different kinds of gloves you fought bare knuckle is power power in the end where that's not going to make a difference well I mean getting hit with MMA gloves hurts a lot more it can do a lot more damage it can cut you a lot easier um, you know it's it's like getting hit in the face with a brick um, MMA gloves, depending or boxing gloves, depending on who's wearing them, of course, can can have uh, you know the same impact if if a guy's got a lot of power. But um, you know, there's certainly more padding in a boxing glove, especially the ten ouncer. So it does take some of the heat off the punches, but you still get the counter coup, the bounce in the brain around, and all that sort of stuff that causes knockout. So you know, it's it's you're still going to get hurt either way. But uh, MMA gloves are it's it's not fun to stand toe to toe in MMA gloves, and and you know you go to the uh, go to the airport the next day and they're they're wondering what truck ran you over you know <laughs> and, um, i was well, I'm curious about um if you know if there's i don't i mean i, I wish i'm sure mcgregor knows you know knows knows what's coming in this fight knows that that uh, you know floyd is going to be very elusive and hard to hit um has you know how 
how do you think he'll hold up, um, you know, mentally? I mean, we've, we see Floyd, that's really, he beats guys, uh, you know, halfway through the fight, they're giving up. And, and he's doing that to, to guys who are, you know, have been boxing at, at near the top level of the sport. Um, did, you know, how did, do you see Connor being able to sort of, you know, stick with a game plan or, or, or not sort of lose, you know, get to that point where if he is having a hard time connecting with Floyd or, or you know, it, the, the first few rounds don't go well, uh, he's, he, he starts to check out? You know, I, I see him as a different guy, you know. Yeah. Um, he's, he's a guy that, that has, you know, to become a world champion in anything, you've got to fool yourself that you can do it, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's one level. And then to to dream big enough um, to talk the way he does and, and convince himself that he can he can pull off a fight with Mayweather to begin with, you have to be able to conceive that, you know, to, to actually climb in the ring and, and do a boxing match against, you know, one of the greatest boxers ever. So um, I think he's I think he's going to be there uh, believing in himself no matter what's going on, to be honest with you. That's just his mentality, his mindset. So um, I don't I don't necessarily see him getting frustrated and checking out. I mean, He's he's there to win. He loves. He's going to love the money, obviously. But but he's he's doing this because he thinks he can win. In line with that, you know, he calls himself Mystic Mac. He's made some pretty bold predictions, right? From from saying he's going to essentially sleep Jose Aldo with one punch, which he did, to to really calling the round and finish of of most of his big fights. There's almost this feeling like there's some cosmic connection here, Pat. I know this is outside the grounds of a normal fight breakdown. I'm not saying McGregor's some sorcerer, but it feels like he's saying and doing things that we haven't seen an athlete do, and you hate sort of making this comparison, but since Muhammad Ali, you think this guy's just a really good showman, or are you are you getting the sense that we're watching the kind of development of a career that will be an all-timer that we'll be talking about so many years to come for how bold yet how much he's able to back up what he's doing in there? Oh, I think, you know, it, it comes down to the power of the mind, the, the fact that that he has fooled himself and convinced himself into to doing the things that he's done is, is showing you how powerful um, a person's mind can actually be. You know, it's like, to give you an example, my, my running coach who ran in the Badwater, which is through Death Valley at 128 degrees, 135 miles, he hallucinated for eight hours and talked to the white line on the highway that you have to run on so your shoes don't melt and come apart. And he talked to the white line, it grew a mouth, and its name was like Madeline and he hallucinated and argued with it because it told him he didn't belong there and he wasn't world-class and that only world-class people finish, finish bad water. And he convinced himself through that whole hallucination and everything that during his argument with the white line on the highway that he was going to finish and then he finished, you know, so that's when your body is shutting down and you, you can't go further, the mind's capable of, of, of moving you ahead. And that's, that's really, you know, those rare people out there with, with that mental aspect that can do it. You know, they they show you how it's done. Now, Pat, now, Pat, you're doing. I think I've heard an interview where you're doing the Leadville 100 in Colorado these days. Is that true? August 19th is that. Yeah, the, the Leadville 100. You have some of these conversations with the light white white line. How how deep does this get when you're fighting through that compared with digging deep in an MMA cage? Is there any correlation there? Well, you know, I would say this that you know the the torture of a sprint for 25 minutes in a world title fight just imagine that for, you know, hours upon hours upon hours for the sun goes down and then that's how I've been on runs long enough to do that. And that's, that's, yeah, you've got to, you've got to just convince yourself to to go as far as you can anyway. Right. (laughs) Talk about some mental toughness there, Pat, as we round this out, when you look at the impact of this fight based upon who wins, if Conor McGregor wins, 
What will this say about other, either sport, boxing or MMA? What will this mean in your eyes? Um, if, if McGregor if, if McGregor wins, it'll be the biggest upset in sports history without a doubt. If Mayweather wins, it'll be a told you so. He doesn't belong in this sport, you know. And and that's you know the way I see it going down. Um, if he lasts twelve rounds with Mayweather, I mean, that's a win for MMA fighters in my mind. A win for the sport, no matter what. And uh, so you know, I, I just to be honest with you, I hope it's a good fight. I hope I hope McGregor can come in and give a good a good account of himself. And I no matter what the sporting event is, I always root for the underdog unless it's the Iowa Hawkeyes against somebody. Um, then I'm always going to root for them. But in any other sporting event, I'm always going to root for the underdog, and, and I'm certainly a McGregor fan in this one. You know, you've been around the fight game for a long time. Will this be the beginning of more of this type of crossover fights? And the reason I say that's almost a pointed question because Dana White feels like it seems like he's teasing the fans by coming out in a Zufa boxing T-shirt during this Mayweather-McGregor World Tour. In your eyes, is this a special circumstance, a one in a million, that we're able to get this fight, or is this the beginning of a of a new line of combat sports? You know, super fights we may see. Well, I mean, rare occurrences are going to come along, and it's going to happen again probably eventually, but. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a consistent, uh, consistent crossover. Besides, maybe a little lower level where boxers who have a wrestling background would do MMA fights, and you know, uh, uh, Chip Pollard, who's a, a a good mixed martial artist but a really exceptional Muay Thai fighter, you know, can cross over and go go back and forth between them. You know, but not since the days of like a Troy Dorsey, um, who won a world title in kickboxing and boxing. You know, it's just not going to happen very often. Well, Pat Militic, you've seen it all, and you will be a part of this call August 26th when we do see something we didn't think we'd see, Mayweather-McGregor. Thanks so much for joining us, Pat. Look forward to watching and listening to your analysis as the fight gets closer. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Pat Militic, Rafe, it's an interesting way to look at things. My favorite part of what he said was, if I'm coaching Connor, I tell him to cheat at every possible turn. How realistic do you think that that will be? Because you know you've heard a few people say that as as we as we look into stop looking at this fight as a carnival and start looking at it as can Connor actually win it? You see cheating in his future? Well, cheating within the rules, right? Um, I I think that is a good that it makes sense what Pat, what what Militich was saying. I don't know how possible it is. I mean, if you think the same way that. Uh, the same way that Floyd is better and more experienced at all the, you know, uh, legal acts in boxing, I think that he's also better and more experienced in all the dark arts of boxing. I mean, and he, and we've seen, you know, Floyd is not afraid to, you know, throw a little elbow in there, push off, do, you know, do what he needs to do. Wait, wait, to, when uh, you say dark arts, do you mean this? That, hey, that black guy, he hit hard. That wasn't a commentary on race, right? Oh, Brian. Oh, How dare man. you? How dare oh, you? You're, you're going to jail now, Brian. Uh, yeah, no, uh, Floyd, you know, I mean, we, we, we've seen guys try to get dirty with Floyd and he, you know, immediately sort of sets the tone and, and will, you know, do, you know, he'll, I mean, he, he disciplines, he, he disciplines his opponent and shows them, you know, that they, they really can't get away with much with him. So I don't, I mean, I, 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 trust i do think that uh militich was right when he's talking about mcgregor probably having a, a strength overall strength advantage especially you know just the core strength that he has to have from to, to be able to deal with wrestlers and all those, those other hips right crazy the hips don't lie right? crazy stuff that uh that bob arum doesn't like to see when they're rolling around on the mat with the tattoos out but um but i just think that floyd floyd will be able to deal with that because he's because he, he's better and more experienced at boxing 
Hey, <laughs> hey, he's just a better boxer. I mean, that's your that's the that's the analysis you come to know and love from Ray Bartholomew. Comes down to me though, and obviously we'll talk about this ad nauseum for the next thirty something days. Comes down to the ref, right? If I'm Floyd, I gotta collect call place to California, Northern California. Two words. Get me Jack Reese. Oh, that was four words. Sorry. Four more words. Get off my lawn because I want Jack Reese. No, no, knowing the inside of that. Right. I want I want no contact allowed. I want in in instant warnings if anything dirty happens, because look, Connor probably can learn how to fight dirty quickly. But can he learn how to subtly fight dirty? Can he learn them dark arts that you're talking about that the great B-Hop can can bring out there? You know what I'm saying? I don't know if he can learn it that quickly. All I know is some referees have been known to fold Vic Draculich style and allow things to happen. Some haven't. We've talked about how some referees like Tony Weeks will allow a little bit more infighting. That will go a long way. And whether this will be a 12-round snoozer or whether this four, four or five rounds is a fun little, if not war, war wouldn't, a war would mean we're trading punches. But it doesn't have to be a actual war to feel like a war, right? Like Maidana, Floyd won. First few rounds felt like a war just to see Floyd have to deal with a a, a hurricane coming at him, right? A, 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 yeah, a, a, an actual wild man, you know, like they, they we set the caveman loose on you, Floyd. Yeah. Uh, Rafe, we have coming up next, uh, really, I mean, let's be honest. When we put together uh, wish lists of boxers we want to interview for this podcast, even back in our ropes days when we would get fired up on Grantland, hey, you know, who should we talk to next? With Joe Goose? Oh, Joe Goose is my man. No, no, no. There's one name always that pops up. It's Victor Ortiz, V.O. himself, our man, your man, everyone's man. Very, very happy. Shout out to, to our people at Swanson PR for hooking this up. Very excited to talk to V.O., the man who will be back on Sunday, returning to the ring. First time in 15 months. Let's talk to the guy. Enjoy. Pleased to enter Victor Ortiz on the In This Corner podcast, the former welterweight champion, returning Sunday like we talked about against Sal Corral in Bakersfield, California. Victor, always a pleasure to talk to you because you bring it in the ring. You typically bring it in the interviews, too, with a, with a great attitude, a lot of fun sound bites. How's everything going for you right now? Uh, it's been great. You know, my whole camp went just, uh, just fine. Uh, I did everything that I was told and asked for by coach Haas so at this point in time we're ready for Sunday night what type of uh matchup does Saul Corral bring into the ring what type of fight are you expecting against him here he's a warrior he, he's gonna leave it on the ring I expect no less uh we're two ready ready to go fighters and uh he's ready and so am I you're, we haven't seen you in about 15 months. It was that rematch with Andre Berto. It was a tough loss. There was a craziness after the ring. Coach Haas running to get your back with, with a crazy fan. That moment got a lot of play with the whole pizza. When you look back more than a year removed, what are your thoughts on that? Hey, it's part of the sport, you know, part of the game. Uh, I, don't, uh, I, don't, I don't bring that up to mind. No need for that. Pass is pass. It is what it is. He's, that guy was fighting his own demons, not me. I mean, I'm living my dream. That's a great point to look at, uh, Victor. What is your mindset at this point entering this match where, you know, you're still young. You, you've been in there against the very best in the world. What are your sort of goals moving forward? You know, my, my goals looking moving forward, you know, is to, to be a great, an all-time great. Uh, and in doing so, I made sure that I got rid of acting for the time being. Uh, I appreciate and thank Gersh Agency, which is Brett Norensberg, and uh, Mike Stout for all their energy they put into me and believe in me so much in the acting world. But when, not, when you're not ready to act, you're just not ready. 
I'm uh, ready to reign again. How come you you made the decision that now you weren't ready to continue down that path when you had some big success? You had you were in Southpaw, you were in the Expendables three. You had some big roles there. Um, yeah, it's just you know, right place at the right time. I think uh, my attitude uh, is is liked by many, so also found upon by, found upon by many in the boxing world. But it's okay, you know, I am me, and with that, uh, things come my way once in a while. So. I'm just very grateful to be in the position that I'm in. What led you to say right now is the time to put acting away and get back in the ring? I'm 30 years old. 30 years old. I need to give it my all that I need to give to boxing to achieve what I want to achieve in the ring. If not, two careers is just too, ta- too tough, too hard. Do you have uh, more acting goals for the future, considering it's a profession? Uh, no, sir. Not right now. Not anytime soon. You know, I've really enjoyed hearing you speak about the relationship with Coach Haas and how important it was in this second half of your career. What is it about that fighter-trainer dynamic that makes this work? Coach Haas, is, uh, he, he knows his stuff, you know. People, uh, I think, they have not given a, a Coach Haas the credit that he deserves. And I recognize it because I'm around it every day in the gym. So when it takes a, a hell of a man to steer me in the right direction, and then be a, one hell of a guy to look up to, then that's all I want to see. I wish I could say the same for, you know, many that I've, I've had uh, not so great experiences with as coaches. So, you know, it's okay. Would you ever consider going down the Coach Haas haircut route? Because that guy can pull that mohawk off. You know what? Uh, yes, absolutely. You know, <laughs> it's a great haircut. <laughs> Absolutely. Having fun with you for a second. When you do look back at the acting run you did have, what was the high moment? What was the most fun part for you? Was there a specific role, a specific time frame? What did you enjoy the most? Oh, absolutely. When I was playing Mars, when I was playing Mars in uh, Expendables 3, I got to meet everybody. From Arnold Schwarzenegger to Rocky Balboa, Terminator, Jet Li. Uh, I got to meet uh, Drago. I'm using all their aliases, but still, got to, I got to meet the Statham, you know, transporter. It was great. Uh, Victor, this is uh, Rafe Bartholomew Bryan's coach. Oh, my bad. Go ahead. Go ahead. My bad. I said my favorite was Puss in Boots. <laughs> Puss in Boots. <laughs> Um, yeah, Victor, this is Rafe Bartholomew, Brian's co-host. I wanted to ask, you know, you were talking a little bit about Coach Haas. Could you talk about, like, so what was sort of the moment that solidified, you know, your bond with him uh, and, and made you guys, you know, really, you know, ma- makes that relationship you know, clear? I've always tried a lot of different coaches, all because Coach Haas has steered me there. Coach Haas, hey, Vic, try this one. Hey, champ, try this other one. Champ, if you're not clicking with him, try this one. Try this one. Try this one. I sat back and I said, what the hell? Mm-hmm. Well, he was the reason that we beat Nate Campbell so easy he's the reason that we beat well one of the top reasons why we beat uh andre berto the first one so why do i not give this guy an actual chance and people counted us out already anyway so why not redirect resurrect and uh go with it And it seems like, you know, you, you, you have that trust in him and, and also that he's really willing to sort of stand up for you and he's really, you know, willing to go to bat for you in all kinds of situations, you know, I, I, you know in the ring, outside the ring. He's, you know, he, he, it seems like he, he's, you know, really, really believes in you in that way. Absolutely. He believes in me, but I believe in him. It's an important thing to have trust on both sides, you know. 
Victor, when you look at a, lot, a fight that's getting a lot of headlines, that's kind of overshadowing some of the other more important boxing matches, is that Floyd Mayweather-Conor McGregor match. I want to get your perspective, since you've been to the highest level, you've been in there with, with Floyd Mayweather. Is this a good thing for the sport of boxing or just a joke? How do you look at it? It's a, it's a great business plan, you know, on both sides. But uh, I, I'm not... It's one of those things where you can't look at it that way. It's two different sports. It's tennis versus ping pong. I don't know what you take from that, but... No, no, that makes a lot of sense. Do you, are you in the camp that you say, look, McGregor, well done getting here, but you have no chance on August 26th? Exactly. Victor, as we wrap with you, when you look back at the run you've had, what is your biggest in-ring moment? What's the moment that has been your favorite, something that gives you a lot of, you know, emotion or gives you a lot of encouragement to keep going and move forward? Oh, Andre Berto, you know, he got dropped, got up, dropped again. You know, hey, hell of a war, man, <laughs> on both sides. You know, both, yeah, but, both on it. And in that case, Victor, I guess, would you, you know, I mean, it, are you thinking after, you know, this fight, maybe one more, or, you know, looking at like a rubber match Absolutely. down the line with Berto? Absolutely. Yeah. I got, I, I got some, some great things lined up. But uh, I guess for that, you guys will have to wait for uh, uh, Sam Watson and Al Haley. No, no doubt about it. And Victor, we always loved you as a fighter, but as a businessman too. I was a, a client, if you will, on the VO face loop line. We ever going to see that again? Is that still in production? Uh, probably so. You may see it in the near future. I just uh, ran into some legalities. Uh, you know, the, the team that I was previously with, uh, you know, they weren't the most honest. They were, you know, just moochers, snakes. And uh, I, don't, I don't bond to people like that, so... They tried to sue me, and thankfully, they got nothing. And um, I moved forward with my stuff, but I put everything on hold until until one day when I feel like, you know, going back to that. Oh, man, so I'm sorry to hear that. Um, I guess, you know, one, the other uh, thing that, that these fans sort of got a, a huge, uh, you know, really enjoyed with that was uh, that commercial you filmed for it. Is there, are there any behind-the-scenes stories, you memories, you you know, with the, 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 the basketball scene, the girls showing up? No, no, I just... Uh, just just bullshitting, bro. Yeah, I guess I guess so. <laughs> yeah. Well, Victor, it's great talking to you. We wish you a lot of luck in this fight, Sunday night, Saul Corral. What is your message to any fans who love watching the action you bring in the ring but want to know, is this going to be a long-time thing? We're going to keep seeing Victor Ortiz two, three times a year on our screen boxing. Hell yeah, I'm back. There's no acting coming out of me anytime soon, so... Uh... No, uh, we're ready to go, and we're not going anywhere. And we're going to see the Warrior? We're going to see an action fight like we always do on Sunday? I'll show you Sunday. Good stuff. Victor Ortiz, thank you so much for your time. Best of luck to you moving thank forward. You. And when this boxing thing's Appreciate over, it. I'm ready to see you back on the big screen, bro. You know that thing, all right? You know that. <laughs> That'd be a good four to five years from now. All right. Best of luck. Thanks, man. Yes, yes sir. Thank you. Rafe, with our interviews behind us, and, and again, special thanks to Pat Militich and Vincent Ortiz, the vicious Vic himself, <laughs> for taking the time. Rafe, we have a big fight weekend in terms of a big card there. Brooklyn, Saturday night, Barclays Center, Showtime. It's the crown jewel of the real boxing matches of the summer, right? It's, it's the next stopover on the leap towards Triple G Canelo, not necessarily flipping a middle finger at, at Maymac. It is what it is. It's a special event, but Saturday's card is legit. The main event is that junior welterweight showdown. Four division title is A.B. Adrian Broner against Mikey Garcia. 
moving up in weight, three-division titleist himself. We've had both of these guys on the show just a month ago. You definitely want to go back and check out those interviews if you haven't heard them on the In This Corner podcast. Rafe, since that point, not a lot of fireworks in this build by any means. Where do you stand, though, on excitement, on expectations for, from this main event just as a matchup heading into this? I'm actually, I'm very, as we were talking about earlier, I'm really excited um, because I don't know exactly how it's going to play out. I think, you know, and I'm at, at this point in time, it's very easy to uh, to uh, be optimistic and and uh, and expect Adrian Broner to come in as uh, one of the better versions of himself that we've seen and, and then turn this into what would, what, you know, if that happens, would will be a great fight. I mean, that, that then you're looking at two top talents in the sport, like two really, really, really good fighters uh, having to figure each other out. Uh, and and you know, Mikey, uh, he what he he fought his first comeback fight was at 140, but it was against not uh, the same caliber of opponent. So um, Elio Rojas. Yes, uh, who fought pretty well in that fight, but just couldn't really hang uh, as 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 the rounds went on. But no, this is I, at least look until until you know until Adrian Broner blows weight and starts eating Twinkies on the scale and throwing five hundred thousand dollars away uh, down the toilet at Popeyes or whatever whatever happens um, until something like that happens I'm gonna choose to to expect uh, the the you know one of the ideal versions of this fight where you know it, it turns out these guys are at the top of their game and 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 we get to see you know, very, very high-level boxing. If you look at what's at stake here, what's at stake for me from a Mikey Garcia stance, I have him number 10 in my pound for pound. He's breaking in on a lot of people. This would be the biggest victory of his career, commercializing himself on a level he's probably never been at before. It would increase his pound for pound standing when you consider he's moving up in weight, especially if he gets a focused version of Broner. I mean, it's look, it's for money chances we give AB. It's really hard to just say he's done, that we'll never see the best version of him. I think it's really hard to say that. For AB... It's a real shot at redemption. And by the way, I think he can gain that redemption even in a loss here. So I think that there's there's a little bit more wiggle room than people realize. He's just got to be the best version of AP, AB. Because you mentioned if he does, we got a really good fight in our hands. And what would it be for him is a victory over a pound-for-pound pound guy, allowing him to get back in line, not necessarily on angling toward more titles. Because let's be honest, he's got four titles in four divisions, but it's the weakest four title and four division case anyone's ever seen. It's it's beating, you know, guys that, that were not household names in their own household or weren't at great spots of their career. I mean, look, I'm all for him taking a welterweight title from Paulie Malignaggi by split decision, but at that point in Paulie's career, it's not the biggest win, you know, anyone wants to stand on. So it gives him a shot at instead of angling toward titles at maybe fulfilling his actual legacy, which he talked about on our show of being the next pound-for-pound pound king of, I'm sorry, pay-per-view king, of being the next Floyd. He's never going to be Floyd. It's never going to be that exact model. But there's still time for, for AB at, what, age 20, just turning 28, to fulfill that legacy of being, or he'll be 28 uh, the night before this fight, I'm sorry, by fulfilling that legacy of being a star. I mean, the guy brings eyeballs, we know that, of being a actual pound-for-pound Paper. Well, wow, my my words are all over the Paper place. Paper pound. Right now. I'm four speaking different side pieces. Like and Madonna four throws weight classes. I'm speaking like Madonna throws punches right now. You know what I mean? I mean, there's a building with two buildings, and one of whom is balding. What I'm trying to say is, AB could really be that star for as much as you hate him. He maybe could fight Pacquiao on pay per view Monday. He maybe could be that guy. He's got to look 
credible in this fight to get there. Now, one thing I will say about AB, if you are that person listening that says, Campbell, stop throwing up all over your own words. Stop stuttering. Stop trying to put AB over. The guy's a mess. Every time he steps up against Sean Porter, against uh, Marcos Maidana, we don't see the best of him because there is no best of him. He's a front runner who beat up on small guys at 135 and, and made us believe that he's a big puncher. All those things might be true. But don't forget about Rafe, what he showed us in that Maidana loss. Something you can't teach. And maybe he's my new Zab Judah. Maybe he's going to have nine lives, and I'm always going to believe that he's going to bounce back. But he has a backbone of toughness that you can't teach, that we've seen other fighters fall apart in their biggest fights. Now, he's fallen apart for self-inflicted reasons that seem to be mental. But when he dug in against Maidana and was the guy coming forward the last three rounds... Nobody gives him enough credit, and I want to hear your response to this, Rafe. He showed you the heart, I don't want to say of a champion, but the heart of a real fighter in there, somebody who is not going to give up, and he made that fight fun down the second half. Your thoughts? That is true, but it's always a mixed bag with Broner, and that's the thing. You, you, he did show us flashes of really digging down and, and, coming, and coming up with some results. I mean, you know, winning rounds late in that fight, uh, but... Brian, there, there, there's a phone ring in the bath in the background. Do you want me to just like dead it? Sorry. No, we're live. Let that thing roll. I mean, who is? Is it bill collectors? What's going on? Yeah, they 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 coming after me. Is um, it Tarmash, the Egyptian Egyptian magician? What's going on over there? Shout out to the jerky Anyways, boys. Yeah, my my man, my my man. He fought recently. He think he got another knockout. He's rolling my, my along guy, in, his, uh, in his robe. Ahmed El Biali. First of all, Ahmed El Biali is my guy. One day he will be on the show. All right. Shout out to shout out to the Egyptian magician. Go for it, Rafe. Take the floor. Back to back to AB. Um, it's always a mixed bag with him. Yes, he dug deep and he showed us those moments and he won rounds late in that fight. There are parts of that fight late in that fight where it looked like he actually had Maidana hurt a little bit and a little worried and a little concerned that that this wasn't gonna go. You know, it wasn't the the sort of cakewalk it seemed like it might be in the first couple of rounds. Um, but with AB, uh, part part of that was because. He landed a very egregious, like, after-the-bell shot that shook up Maidana, what, was that the end of the 11th round? Um, that, that probably hurt Maidana more than anything else, and it was an illegal blow. Um, Broner also gave us one of boxing's worst flops of that year. Yes. Um, when, you know, there was, he, he was, uh, you know, getting, I mean, you know, sort of, Grappling a little bit with Madonna, there was a head, you know, Madonna head butted him getting to get back at him and and Broner started flopping around. And you know what? And, That's the I perfect mean, argument to me trying to say, look, he's got real toughness. He did try to get out of that fight. I will give you that. Yes. There was that. Point. Yeah, that's the thing. So he, he showed toughness and also tried to get out of the fight. I mean, and, and that's sort of what you get with Broner. He's he is just all over the place. Um, And that is I mean, that if that is the reason, you know. That's the reason Mikey Garcia has been a big favorite in this fight, you know, at the betting odds. I mean, he, he's been, you know, minus 500, minus 300, you know, at different parts in going into this fight. That's a lot for for talent-wise. You look at them and, like, they're not separated by that much. But Broner doesn't, you know, he, he has, you know, we know his flaws and, 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 and we know he can be outworked. And, and uh, we also know that he just doesn't always, you know, show the best version of himself. In fact, if you had to bet on something, you would bet on him not showing with, uh, with the best version of himself. Um, but me, I, I, you know, I, I can't, I, I, I do have like a little soft spot for him. I, I really want, I root for him. I want to see him, you know, even if it's only for one night and even if, you know, it, 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 it only happens just the one time you want to see him put it all together and, and show, 
what he can be. And, and probably after that, you know, go flush it all down a toilet in a fast food restaurant somewhere. <laughs> yeah, it's like, can he pull a Riddick bow against Holyfield in the first fight? Can he be everything he was supposed to be in one night, even if he knows himself? It's like getting, it's like going on a crash diet ahead of your 20-year high school reunion. Can, he, can you suck it all down and get abs for one night, knowing you're going to gorge yourself for the next three years after that moment? I think if you, to your point about him being feast or famine within the same fights, you do have to look no further than that Sean Porter fight in June of 2015 when he looked lethargic and didn't care, losing basically, what, 8 out of 11 rounds, and then the 12th round. Basically giving it away. Basically just like, yeah, I'm not really into this right now. This guy's crazy. I don't want to deal with him. He's kind of humping me all night. Uh, you know. And then, yeah, 12th round, what happened? Drops him with a hook. It was a sweet, almost Roy Jones-esque left hook out of nowhere, putting Porter down, reminding him A.B. still got it. So what have I been saying for years during my, come on, A.B., you know, you're, you're close. Just put it together. Get your life together. I've said he should be boxing a lot more because he's not the puncher at 40 and 47 that he was at 35 and below where he just liked to stand in front of guys, do a modified version of the Floyd shoulder roll and counter them with big shots that would back them down and wear them down. You can do that against Paulie, by the way. Yet, even against Pauly, he left the back door open and almost lost that fight. I mean, it was a split decision just by Pauly pitter-pattying to his stomach for 12 rounds. He almost, you know, pulled that out. In Look fairness, he... Brian, he left that back door open so the side piece could sneak in. Oh, hey, hey, don't be talking about my side piece. You don't, you don't get lit. I will say this, though. Look, the version that I want to see him do more is the version against John Molina Jr. in one of those, if not the first PBC card in 2015, yeah. the big showcase opportunity where he just danced around them. He didn't allow that fight to become a war like we thought it might because Molina was hot at that moment coming off some action fights. We thought it would turn into a war. He was like, no, I'm going to outclass you. You're not going to get touched. Obviously, he couldn't do that to Garcia. Molina is a flat-footed brawling fighter you can do that to. But I want to see more of that implemented into his game moving forward, not just being this guy who's going to lower his output and try to counter you, because you're going to lose decisions that way, first of all, if you don't hurt a guy early. And at 40 and 47, I don't think he can hurt a guy. I think he can one-punch, alter a fight like he did against Porter, but even then, Porter got right back up. He doesn't have fight-altering power. He just, it's, just, it's the bottom line on here. Do you think there's a... We like to say, is there a version of AB we haven't seen that's the best version? Because, you know, he told us he only he, he's only really accomplished 65% of what he can do. Do you think there's a different style-wise from, from Broner that'll help him get there? Is there a, is it a modified thing like I mentioned? Or how do you see the best version of AB looking like at 140? Yeah, I, I, I think I, I agree. You know, I, 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 you're... I, for me, it's I just want to see him be active in the ring, you know, and, and and I don't know if that means he has to get out of, you know, change his stance or if it just means he needs to, you know, work his jab more and 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 try and, you know, walk his opponents down. And now that's a harder thing to do probably against Mikey Garcia than it would have been against some of his other opponents. But um, he, you know, yeah, he, if he if, if he only throws 20, 30 punches around, he's not going to win many fights that way against good competition because that, that, that he does not, I mean, not many guys have the power to, to win fights that way. And even the guys who did, like Randall Bailey, uh, didn't win, you know, a lot, most of the, their, the, their high-level fights either. It just doesn't work that way. Um, but Brian, I mean, like, this is the thing with AB. He takes, even though he's not the better fighter going into this fight, he's, you know, he's he's... He, he brings so much drama. You end up talking only about him. I mean, he is, you know, it's all, he, he is, uh, he's the little big drama show or whatever, you know, Mr. HBO. Um, but, uh, you know, but what about Mikey? I mean, like this is, you know, what, 
we should probably discuss him a little bit. Mikey Garcia, um, where if if he wins and looks good, if he blows Broner out, or if it's a good, or if it's a, or if they both fight well and Garcia still gets a win, uh, you know, how does that how how far does he climb up pound for pound ranks? I mean, where does it what where does he go from there? And um, does he you know do we asked him this. Uh, when we spoke to him during the press conference, do you think that Mikey needs to fight maybe a, a, or should consider fighting us a, a different style than we've seen out of him? Because he's also, you know, he he's a very very patient guy, um, and he and and has relied on on what has been fight changing power to to just pick his shots and and wait for the time to you know to to really land the, the punches that are going to put a guy in trouble and then finish him. Um, you know, can. Can he be that patient against against Broner, who you know so far the 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 best the easiest route to victory against Adrian Broner is just to outwork him. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, especially it's going to be interesting to see how his power carries to 140. I think that's going to play a big part in the style that you see. Ultimately, though, I've you know I've talked to Mike Garcia a lot through the years, and I've sort of asked variations of that same question, right? Because you watch him when he turns it on late in a fight, when he feels like he has figured out that opening and he's getting close enough to exploit it, he gets dudes out of there. He gets dudes out of there to the body. He straight up knocks people out. His knockout in January of this year against Dejan Zlata. Wait, how do you pronounce that? Because I'm not going to. Uh, again, all right. I've heard it Zlatichinin. Zla- 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 I'm going to go Zlatichinin, even though it's probably like Zlatichinin. I want to rock Zlatichinin. And that guy, look, a lot of people were picking Zlatichinin to knock him out. A lot of people were saying, you know, that was his moment. Ooh. He exposed his skill in, in speed difference, and then the power was was talk about fight altering it was life altering power. He got him out of there. That was 135. We don't know if he can do that at 40. Will he be more action oriented at 40 and above? No, not unless his opponent brings it out of him. I mean, look, Orlando Salido in that fight in 2013, January, in the garden, in the theater, you saw a fun fight in that because Orlando Salido made it fun and walked into four knockdowns early, right? That's what happens. You push the pace on Mikey, you, 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 you tease the bag, right? Yeah, you get the mess. Wow, that was, that was quite a mess. That was quite a mess right there. I will say that uh, you you do get the mess. Now, if that power isn't as big, it could change things. But ultimately, Mikey's going to come in there and box. So if I'm Mikey, I want distance because I'm not going to look to brawl on the inside. I'm going to want my jab to be key. It's going to come down to me how big AB wants to fight, whether he can use that size. As much as I just said, I want to see a more strategic boxing version of AB, and that's true. When he does that Floyd jab to the body where he fakes upstairs and then goes down low, it creates distance. It helps him sort of set a template where he can control. The problem is he then fills in that gap and tries to stand right in front of you and counter. If he can, though, try to be the bigger man in key times, we could see the kind of pressure on Mikey that we have not seen before. One thing that AB said was interesting, and again, I don't mean to always bring the conversation back to AB. He just makes it that way because he's so interesting to hear him talk. But one thing he said in the interview was, Mikey hasn't been in life where I've been. And he's referencing, you know, having been in prison multiple times, having been sort of 
back against the wall in life, right? I mean, people did put 18 bullets in the side of AB's car within the past calendar year. He's been in certain parts of life that he says has forced him to dig deep, and he knows who he is. He doesn't know if Mikey Garcia, the fighter, knows who he is in that same regard. That's some deep stuff there, Rafe, but it may be true. You look at Mikey's career now, you can only hold against him breaking his nose against Salido and then asking out of that fight because, like he told us on the podcast, he didn't ask out of that fight in the end. It was his referee's decision, doctor's decision. A lot of people were like, wow, I wanted to see what happened when Mikey got broke a little bit, when he was facing some real adversity. When I look up and down Mikey Garcia's lineup of people he's taken out, he's controlled the pace and the distance so well that he's never had adversity outside of that broken nose. Can AB be the guy that creates, if not adversity, enough uncomfortableness to make it a real fight, Rafe? I hope so. I mean, that's I. Th- I think I think Broner, because you know he is a little bit bigger, um, and is you know has the the at least is is definitely in the ballpark uh, of Mikey in terms of talent. Uh, there's a chance that this turns into you know a, a real test for Mikey Garcia, and and uh, I sure I, I do hope that happens. You know, you mentioned Broner talking about you know Mikey hasn't seen, been where I've been in life. Well. None of all of the, the the trials that Adrian Broner have has been through, you know, uh, I we haven't seen that help him in the ring yet. You know, we've mostly seen that get him into trouble outside of the ring and and adversely affect his performances. So I don't know. I don't really. I, I mean, Mikey, yes, he had that like weird sort of hiatus where he was, you know, on and off with with Top Rank. He was he was in a promotional dispute with them and eventually got out of it. There was also talk that he just didn't love the sport in the way that that you you sort of think uh, boxers need to, to 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 participate in something you know so brutal and difficult. Um, uh, and, and you know, there's a talk he was more interested in being a, a like a county sheriff or whatever, <laughs> uh, you know, driving around the highway patrol with Shaq. I don't know, um, but uh, I, <laughs> I, 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 but when you see him in the ring, you know that doesn't come off. You what you see is a a, a very like just almost at, against the competition he's faced. What looks like a flawless professional fighter. Yeah, it it is, and that's why I think unless A.B. can get him off of that track that he sets for himself, where within that track he is flawless, we may not have a fight here, and that's the interesting breakdown. For I think Mikey has an incredible lot to gain. We talked about what A.B. could gain, maybe with a victory here. He could become that pay-per-view star. Let's not forget, as much as you want to say Mikey's boring, his personality's boring— Still got the Dundee beaten record. Still a Hispanic American fighter, right? With a with the Mexican background. Still a guy. If he takes out AB and gets the biggest commercial win of his career, is in an interesting spot to the idea of becoming a pay per view name just on weight alone. You could see him moving up and fighting a Pacquiao or Terence Crawford one day. You could also see him going down and trying to meet Lomachenko at some form of catchweight. I think he's in a really interesting spot to that end of trying to make big fights in the future. And business wise, Rafe. Then we talked about briefly with him that couple years away, he won. He got recharged mentally, so he didn't burn out quickly like his brother did. And now he's in full control, and he's sort of signing one-off fight deals with Richard Schaefer to promote him with whatever, not going the Al Heyman manager route, just kind of going on his own. I think we could see him against any of those names I mentioned, and this would be a large launching point. Do you have any faith in the idea of Mike Garcia as a pay-per-view brand down the line? Well, yeah, you keep winning, you know, you become if he if he reaches that level where he's among the very best fighters in the sport, why not? I mean, you know, he is uh, 
Yeah, I, I, I do think that he could he that that, I, that could happen. But the, one of the things that it's funny you mentioned, um, and I don't know if the pot is sort of spoiled in terms of him working with Top Rank again uh, after he got out, you know, out from under uh, the contract he 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 had with them. Um, but all the all the fighters you mentioned for possible pay per view, you know, matchups were top rank fighters. I mean, Terence Crawford, whatever whatever Manny still has left, you know, Vasily Lomachenko. Uh, that's the one thing looking ahead that 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 is a little uh, cloudy for for Mikey Garcia. Is that I on you know assuming that he sort of stays on the. Heyman, even if he's not, you know, uh, signed, you know, with Al Heyman as a manager and advisor, um, you know, I just don't know. It's hard to see who is who, who lines up as opponents for him. Well, let me tell I, you I don't like think this. he needs to go up to 147 and, and fight all those welterweights. That's a lot. He told me in March when I last talked to him before our recent podcast interview that top rank has been more actively calling him than any other promoter, not to re-sign with them, but to have him be the B-side against their A-side fighters. Not you know, not in a sense like to use him, but in a sense to make really big fights. They've talked about a Lomachenko fight. They've talked about a Crawford fight. Crawford versus Mikey Garcia at 140? Heck yeah, I'm popping big for that, Rafe. You want to put that on ESPN? Put that on ESPN. That's getting big ratings. That's a real fight, right? Or, or, is, or am I getting too, uh, am I teasing my own bag right now? No, no, no. That's, I mean, we've, we've talked about that. I mean, you know, the, the, when watching Terrence Crawford fight, looking at the weight classes around him uh, and seeing the way he's dominated just any competition at 140, uh, you know, it, it's natural to ask, well, who could come up? Who, who you know, what, who, who is out there that could, that, that would be an interesting fight for, for Terrence Crawford. And, and the answer always sort of came back to, oh, well, Mikey Garcia. I mean, you know, if he, if he ends, if he moves up and if he, if he would fight at 140, that, that is a, a you know a that's a great that's a pound for pound you know you're looking at two top ten guys uh, you know who who really have a good chance of beating each other. Ready I mean, for me that to tell you great. something that I said publicly in 2014 in my old boxing chat on ESPN and in the three years removed, I still feel it's the same. I think Mikey Garcia, and the way that he's built, the way that he fights, his mind, his power, is the one guy who I may favor to beat Terence Crawford in a straight up matchup at 140. That's your that's your reveal. That's your truth, right there, Rafe. Are you are you impressed by my performance, right there? I'm not I impressed am... by your performance. What do you got for me? <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think that I mean, I, 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 I don't, I like that. To me, is like a fifty fifty fight if it ever happens. That, hey, I, all right, is one where I would not, I, I would not, you know, uh, have a clear favorite. In, 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 you know, uh, maybe you're not just maybe trying to make me only, happy. Only, only JoJo Dan, I think. Only Yonut JoJo Dan. <laughs> uh, Beats those guys. Inuit Jojo Dan hashtag party at the igloo. I was just making sure you weren't just trying to puff me up. Come on, let me let me put some water on your ball. Because I've seen you do that before, so I just wanted to make sure. I mean, you know, so I to be a the, to be the Miss Louie bags to 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 Mr. HBO on this on this CBS Showtime podcast. Uh, you know, I I got to do some puffing. All right, puff that, puff it, uh, puff puff pass and give and give me a prediction yeah. and breakdown after you hear mine. Here's how Garcia Broner will play out, Rafe. Okay, Gar- uh, Broner in the end will be a more in shape, mentally focused version of himself, arguably the best version of Adrian Broner that we've ever seen at 40 and above, which is what he needs to be, or his career is not over, but the idea of us caring about him in an A-side role will be over after this. You'd probably still see him on PBC and Showtime. You'd see him more in carnival fights against the Ashley Theophane level, and he'll probably come out with rappers and, and put on a show. Who cares? To be a real fighter, he'll come in and give you that. 
Do I have the full confidence that he'll execute the perfect game plan to get there? No. But he has the toughness to hang in this fight and make it an interesting fight for the first eight, seven, eight rounds. I think in the end, though, Mikey's too high class of a fighter. He negotiates space too well. His speed will be a factor in this fight, and he'll have enough power to keep AB honest. Not get him out of there, but keep him honest. I think it's a competitive fight for the first three quarters, and it goes the 12-round distance with Mikey getting the decision, yet AB retaining, almost being in a middle spot, a gray area, where you'll say, wow, we saw a pretty darn good version of AB here. Maybe this is the springboard into the future. Not to be the next pay-per-view star, but not to forget about him completely. I think AB gives you a solid effort but loses by decision. And this is Mikey's launching point to all those fights we just talked about. That is, I think, I mean, that that is one way, like, I could see it going. But I, And that's exactly what, sort of along the lines of what I was going to say. And then somehow in the last two minutes, I have sort of talked myself into something else. Uh, wow. What do you got? What do you got for me? I think I, and, and I don't know why I flash back to some video where, you know, it was probably Ellie Secback re reporting, uh, my guy, take and, a step and, back. Come on. <laughs> and, uh, talking to Robert Garcia. And, and of course, obviously Robert is, is Mikey's older brother and trainer. So he, he, we understand his biases, but he's just saying like, you know, Power is a funny thing, and some guys just hit, you know, hit hard. And Mikey is one of the. <laughs> we I don't know if we need the drop uh, about who hits hard, <laughs> but Mikey is one is a guy who he was saying just hits hard. Hits he's saying you know he he's fighting at 135, he's fighting at 130, but hit like a middleweight or hit you know just just punch above their weight. And I think. Mikey has that that sort of uh, you know mystic power. Not to throw back to to your man Mystic Mac. Uh, it just he, he's just he's just a natural in that way. And he's we've seen he's just a a a, a fantastic sort of da like like technical very almost almost you know so uh, proficient as a boxer that that I think he's gonna put he is going to be the one who puts it all together. And so, and, and Broner is going to be surprised. He's going to be like, what the hell did I just get into? Who is this guy? I think Mikey's going to blow him out now. I've talked wow. myself into this. You think it's going to be one of those think, where we, I don't think Broner's going to beat him, beat himself in this fight. I think Garcia is just going to go in there and be better and make a statement and just actually knock him out. Wow. So this is one of those where you think that we come in with with one perspective, one one opinion on it being a 50 50 fight. Maybe we lean either way in one guy. And we've seen this throughout boxing history in recent history. One guy just dominantly takes a step forward where you're like, wow, wow, that is. Uh, yes. And for, for whatever reason, you know, that sort of I, I just and, and the truth is, I think, you know, both I, I think that. I think that the the sort of the way the the way you describe the fight playing out is just as or probably more likely. But I but I, but I could I just I can also see Mikey just coming out and and you know dominating like really making that statement and and as if it's a leap and saying that this is you know and showing us oh wow he's even more than we thought. Well, he's that diamond in the rough that while he was gone and everybody else was like, screw him, he's screwing up his career, I was, you know, the guy still banging the drum saying this guy could be the number one pound for pound at the end of the day down that road. I mean, I don't know if he can eclipse the kind of belief that we have in a guy like Errol Spence, but... Man, if he does what you're saying here, not only will we potentially see that talk start to happen, but even though I just looked up on BoxRec, the promoters of record for this fight are officially about Billions Promotions, whatever that is. There's AB's guy. And also uh, the, the 
the uh, Tom, uh, what's the guy's name? From uh, the, the runoff from Goosen. Tom Brown, right? Oh, yes. Okay. Tom Brown, no, you no, know. No Ludabella? Under the PBC label, there's a Tom Brown fight, not Ludabella. So we probably won't hear this next sound drop. But I may be feeling this next sound drop inside my body if Garcia does what you say he can do. Let me say first something. Richard we have we have a new Manny Pacquiao. He's from Argentina, and his name is Lucas the Machine. Matisse. By the way, the best Matisse! part of, the best part about that will always be like Matisse. Like when he says it at the end, <laughs> I imagine like rockets going off behind him, just like you know fireworks everywhere. Lucas the Machine, dude. I will be <laughs> Lucas machining inside of myself if Garcia comes out and, and does that because it'll be sort of a. One of those feelings where I had a big feeling on this guy for a long time, and he just fulfilled what I thought he could do. Seriously, because you don't you don't stop AB. He's got a chin. He's got a backbone. He's done time, Rafe. All right, here is something you can't understand. Well, maybe he didn't go that far, but he's done some time, right? He's 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 a he's a hardened dude who can fight and he can take punishment and keep coming. Mikey gets him out of there with that kind of power you described. I will be ready. I will be ready for something new, something big, something coming, because I want to see him against Crawford. I want to see what happens. I want to talk to Samson, Rafe. You know what I'm saying? I want to, I want to get fired up for this thing, right? You, 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 come on. You smelling what the, what the B-Camps is cooking here? Are you, just, you, just, you just summon something inside of me. I want to see where this goes. Anyway, co-main event on Saturday night, Rafe. Let me, let me pull it back a little bit. Is a middleweight tussle that's really designed just to announce former 154-pound titleist Jermall Charlo making his middleweight debut moving up. Now, the opponent here, 29-4-2 is the record. Jorge Sebastian Island from Argentina. If you do know the name as a boxing fan, you only know the name because he sent Matthew Macklin to hell on a, on a ridiculous early-round knockout but back in, I believe, 2014. 4-0 no since then, really hasn't beaten anybody that we'll know or heard of. I did talk to Jamar Charlo in the in the build up to this fight. Unfortunately, had a little bit of a technical issue. May not be able to save the audio for this podcast like I had hoped. But Jamal Charlo, Rafe, I've always been a big Charlo guy, right? And if you're trying to figure out who's Jermel, who's Jamal, Jamal was the guy who showed a little bit more power and aggression than Jermel, who was a little bit more willing to stink it out. Jamal's the guy who was coming off a big 2016 where he outpointed Austin Trout in a really tough fight that he admitted pushed him deep. Then he comes back and knocks out Julian J. Rock Williams and one of those kind of like, wow, this guy is for real. Defeated Cornelius Bundridge by knockout in 2015 to win that belt. He's given up the belt and moving up. Rafe, he talked a lot about being a different species, a different different brand of fighter, not just the Lions-only brand, which he says is more of a lifestyle than a brand, but just being a different dude who's old school, who's about going in there and winning big fights, not about the money, not about the big name, not about the social media. He's about proving that he has greatest of all time potential. These are the kind of words that came out of his mouth, and I have to tell you, it came out in a believable manner. Not that I think he's going to make a make a run here and become number one pound for pound or number one of our era, but I think this dude is wired the right way. I think that he's got a combination of speed and power that could be trouble at 160. Are you as excited for Jamal Lions only Charlo representing in Brooklyn as I am against your guy Island? Or are you on? Am I on an island all by myself? I mean, come on, where am I? Uh, do, do, do we know? Is this, is it pronounced Island? Because it's spelled Highland. Um, but in it, I, 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 I'm going to respond to that, Brian. But while you were talking, I happened to visit Jorge Sebastian Highlands. Uh, box rec page and i i really uh, encourage all of our listeners to check this out he has one of the well, i mean box rec has some pretty bad profile photos highland <laughs> is up there he is uh you know he's wearing like you know he's you know he's wearing he's dressed like he's he just got out of a fight 
uh, which is good for a boxer, holding his hands up, but he's wearing this tan, camel-colored, like, floppy newsboy hat. He looks like the lost Fratelli brother from Goonies. That is so perfect. It is quite a... He does not look like uh, the kind of guy Jamal Charlo is going to get a lot of credit for knocking out. He kind out. of looks like a mixture um, between John Molina Jr. And, and Sexy Sergio, right? Like, if you morph them together? I, I don't know. I mean, you know, I, there, there, there are no human parallels to Sexy Sergio. I'm sorry. Um, but, uh, no, uh, Charlo, I, I, I do think he showed us a lot last year. Um, you know, but what he also showed us is that he's not, uh, a sort of, he's not, I wouldn't call him like one of these perfect, like, you know, real pound for pound level prospects at this point. Um, because he got outboxed a lot in the, he won those fights, but he got outboxed a lot, uh, in, in the trout fight. I mean, trout really dialed in that straight left. And if he had a little more power on it, I think, could have could have could have could have hurt Charlo. Well, I in, see. In I one. like Jamal. And J Rock was landing. I mean, he won. He was winning rounds early in that fight, but just couldn't. You know, I mean, he he just uh, either you know it exposed a little bit of J Rock's chin, Julian Williams, and uh, and Charlo's power, which is is clearly. Uh, up there. Um, so, so in that regard, yes, I think that he's a, you know, I mean, he, he comes into middleweight and I, I consider him, you know, kind of a top five middle rate middleweight right off the bat. I mean, I would throw, I would, I want to, assuming, uh, he can get past, uh, Highland this weekend, I would want him to go, you know, I would hope that he goes straight into fighting somebody like Danny Jacobs, like, like go right to the top and see if you can make fights with, you know, Canelo, Triple G, whoever wins that and, and Jacobs and, and go for it. I think he's that he, he basically enters the division, uh, a, a contender, uh, almost basically uh, in the level where he should get those fights. The yeah. Mew, I mean, you know, go. Yeah, and I just want to say that uh, I thought he responded really well to what Trout gave him, though. I think there were points that you could have seen Charlo buckle and really just, you know, and really start to wear down, you know, let the fatigue take over. I thought mentally he was sharp in the adjustments we made. I don't want you to confuse him with Jermel, who I think I is the not. better boxer, who against John Jackson last year was really getting outboxed for a long stretch and then came back and knocked him out because we know the Jacksons don't have big chins. I thought Jermel has been ahead on most of the fights I've seen. I mean, did you think J-Rock, you felt that J-Rock outside of maybe exposing his own chin, and I love J-Rock, shout out to him. You think J-Rock did some things in there that showed you some negatives in Charlo? Uh, nuts. Not, I, maybe, I don't know if he was losing rounds, but he was, I mean, he was, he was getting hit. He was getting touched a lot. Um, you know, and, and, uh, and, and in some degree, and, and, I mean, the other, it was a short fight and, and, and Charlo knocked him down in two rounds. So that, you know, I mean, those rounds automatically went to Jamal, but like, um, he, uh, you know, I, there were, it wasn't that hard for, for Julian Williams to, to connect is what I'm saying, I yeah. guess. And, you know, um, so, and you're right. I mean, he, he, Charlo didn't, didn't, you know, he reacted well to, to being in competitive fights against good guys who could, who could land punches on him. You know, it wasn't, uh, I, I, I forget which Charlo got to fight our man, uh, Lenny, Lenny Bowtie. Oh, that was Jamal. <laughs> Lenny Bowtie's my guy. Yeah. I was, I was ringside for that. That was the Khan Alexander card. <laughs> where he was wearing the like the tennis shoes and oh the yeah ring. uh you know it's good that when when jamal fights these higher level guys who actually you know are fighting back and are live in these fights that he doesn't get rattled and he figures out ways to you know uh eventually outpoint trout 
and to uh, and to knock out, you know, you know, J Rock. So yes, that 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 does bode well. But I, I just they were not these sort of like flawless uh, Terrence Crawford style performances or Mikey Garcia style performances. Yeah, and by the way, Lenny Bowtie had those like borderline Nazi tattoos. Like he had some like little, like weird things going on, almost like a mohawk. I, I always like to see where these guys who come on our radar for like one day and they disappear. Where do they go next? And looking at his box rec, he ran off four wins a row against guys you'd never heard of, and then recently took a loss in Italy. Nobody cares, but uh. Jamal's got the goods. And one thing about the Charlos, Rafe, when they do touch people, when they do put the gloves on you, they have quick power. They have power that just suddenly hits you, and then it, it's sort of it's sort of fight-altering power. It's not maybe knock a guy out clean, although both Charlos have had a couple nasty knockouts. It's just sort of like, wow, that was an explosion. It's explosive power. It can change things. If if Jamal can punch at 60 like he did at 54, and there's no reason to believe he can't, like you mentioned, you want to see him right away against Danny Jacobs. You want to see him uh, against all these big names. And I kind of threw him a bait on, you know, some middleweight questions that you're not going to be able to hear the answers to. But, you know, was Triple G exposed by Danny Jacobs? I liked his answers. They were very sober and poised. He was like, no, that was a tough fight. This is what happens when you step up. You get tough fights against tough opponents. And look at what Triple G did to sort of hold off Danny Jacobs. I thought that was a respectful answer. And I think that when you look at the Charlos, there's been times that we've talked about them being pushed too slow. But in this day and age of PBC fighters getting opportunities that, that they didn't deserve, I think the Charlos are starting to mix in enough tough competition where especially Jamal, you look at his resume, this is the right rise for, for a guy. I think it's, you know, if, if, he, if he blows away Island here and then steps into a big middleweight bout and wins that, he's only 27. This is the proper rise going through guys like Trout and Williams to get there. He's in a spot to make noise in a division that that's often sexy. I mean, could we see him, you know, against a Triple G or Canelo, whoever comes out of that? I asked him about the politics that get in the way. He ultimately said, Rafe, it doesn't matter because politics won't get in the way if you keep winning. Now, I didn't interrupt him and basically introduce him to boxing over the last five years where <laughs> politics constantly get in the way regardless of whether you keep winning. But I liked his answers nonetheless. Well, no, I think that's true. It, it, it could happen. And, and uh you know, I guess the the harder fight there to make would be Canelo if if he ends up winning in September, and and uh, I don't know how badly uh, Oscar wants to do business with uh, with Al Heyman and and you know all the all the fighters that that uh, you know Al and Richard Schaefer took from him. Um, but at the same time, you know, we we've seen Canelo uh, as much as you know. I think we criticized him rightfully at moments uh, during this saga of making the Triple G fight. Um, he also, at other times in his career, will just say, "No, I want to fight this guy. I don't care. We're we're doing it." Um, and uh, you know, in in every case but Triple G, it happened uh, pretty quickly. <laughs> Absolutely, Rafe. To round out this weekend's action, we did talk to Vincent Ortiz. He's going to be back. Vicious Victor. I, I do make that Barry Tompkins Showtime joke that Vincent a lot of times. Obviously, it's Victor Ortiz, the former welterweight champion, going up against 25-9 and nine Saul Corral. It's a Sunday night card. It's a, it's a PBC return. Not a lot of interest in there, obviously. But, Rafe, I do have a pointed, important question for guys like us who love VO. Love the – look, okay, here's what we love about VO. There's a mixture of unintentional comedy, yes – but the guy comes to fight, whether he's going to bow out in these fights or not. He comes to fight. He fight, He just gets in, entangled into brawls. I mean, people throw pizza at him and Coach Haas has to intervene. But he gets himself intertangled into, ball, into brawls, and he's a fun TV fighter. If he blows this guy away, if he gets back on track, 
is there a marketable fun TV fight to make for him that he can actually win? Like, I know we could say, hey, put him in there with Birdo. Put him in there with uh, with anybody. Is there, a, is there a future for him, or is it going to be like, take a loss, disappear for a year, do another movie, and then come back six months later for a soft touch comeback? I don't know, Brian. I mean, I I, I share your enthusiasm for the 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 person uh, who uh, the person who is Victor Ortiz. It is hard to, you know, we've just he's burned us too many times. I mean, you know, he he really uh, every time he fights the 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 it, you come out thinking this guy just doesn't you know he really doesn't want to do this uh, or you know you, or something is missing. You know, maybe he maybe he thinks he wants to and then you know the the turn up the heat and 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 he decides you know it, he changes his mind or maybe so is it just, sad now? Just has, is it too, is it almost to the point of like sadness where? Pushing him into another fight with a yes, Berto it's sad. Type. He, he, people people hate him and throw pizzas in his face <laughs> after he gets knocked out. That is pretty sad. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. Well, I guess my question on that is: Look, it's already been sad. We know it's sad. I guess my question is: Should we be mad at ourselves for enjoying this sadness at this point? Because if you told me tomorrow, or let's say Monday morning, let's say. Ortiz wins this, and you're like, oh, bro, did you hear? Like, this washed welterweight that you loved just called out VO, and they're probably going to make the fight. Look, I'm going to pop for it because it's theater. But at, at, is there a point where we should all go, you know what, Ortiz, you had a good run. You made some fun fights. Go into acting. Go into other areas. Your brother Timo's got that trucking business, right, that we saw in the 24-7 with Floyd. Like, go on the road. Make some things happen. Um, I, I mean – it's it's sad. I guess the sad thing is you can tell when you just watching Victor Ortiz, listening to him talk when he goes on some of those kind of uh, he starts to sound a little unhinged. He, you know, it's not not necessarily after fights. I mean, but like even you know some of those red carpet interviews where he he just goes off on a ramble. Um, he seems like a genuinely really nice guy. Uh, and then you know you 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 also just see that that sometimes you know he he you sort of see the the the, the cracks start to to show and and it's it gets a little uncomfortable to 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 witness that you know to to sort of be gawking at that kind of stuff but also that's so that's what makes boxing uh you know a really a unique sport and and something that we you know it 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 is the it exposes people's humanity like almost nothing else. Uh, That's and, a great point. And you get to see all the the the, the touching parts of it. It's the the hard to watch parts of it, and you kind of have to just uh, accept the whole bag and and uh, and don't tease it too much. Yeah, you don't want you don't want that mess. Hey, there's another in this corner with Brian Campbell boxing pot in the books with the big red Rafe Bugs. Follow him at Rafe Bugs on Twitter. Follow me at B. Campbell, CBS. Very much excited to look forward to how these fights play out this weekend. We will be back next week to break it all down for you. For Pat Militich, for Victor Ortiz, and for my man Big Red, we're going to be out of here. Let me throw that alley with though, Rafe. Give, give him two words. We out. We out.